Treatment for OCD isn't all just about medication and therapy. So what else is out there? What happens when someone's OCD is severe or it doesn't respond to regular treatment? My name is Kate, and I'm going to answer those questions coming up on this episode. All you have to do is slide into my DX. Welcome to episode four. If you listened to the last episode, you'll know that this is a continuation talking about treatment on OCD. If you haven't listened to that episode, go ahead, listen to it. Come on back. I'll be right here waiting. Before I dive in, I just want to talk about therapy itself. Generally, when people think of therapy, they think of it as you go in uh, maybe once a week to a therapist and talk about your problems. You do your CBT, DBT. All ERP, of these treatment options in the last episode do know about those are done for when but this anyways, OCD is severe. Usually that's what they think. And so the generally speaking, for mild CBT cases, may not maybe moderate work. cases, just because of OCD of the, or the amount any of other disorder that the patient gets, that's what or people because do. But sometimes a, a little bit more in depth of so something with their necessary. genetics, and that's where you and go the into in the brain. It just doesn't respond hospitalization, to inpatient therapy. That's why these are more intensive. And those are just more options. involved therapies where they're going on for more than just one day at a time. I'm not going to go into all the different possible options. Mainly because usually it just involves, like I said, a more in-depth and longer therapy where maybe every day you have a couple of sessions if you're in a inpatient or residential treatment. The focus for those is usually stabilization. That's the patient maybe going through a crisis or something like that. And the treatments that I'm talking about are more long-term treatment options. So if you're really interested in looking at the different therapy programs, I encourage you to go look that up. I just won't be going into it um, in this show. Now that I've said all that, time for the real show. So this is going to be split up a little bit um, on the different possible procedures or treatment options. And it's going to be split into destructive and non-destructive treatments. So basically whether it involves uh, damaging or removing a part of the brain tissue or it's just changing how the brain connects and works within itself. A lot of these procedures and treatments compared to medication and therapy deal more with the actual brain structure rather than affecting the chemicals and the neurotransmitters. So these procedures deal with the neural networks and the circuitry of the brain and seeing if that's the issue behind what's causing the person's OCD symptoms. Now, one thing to note about all of these treatment options is that they're very much not first-line treatments. All of these are done when medication and therapy options have been exhausted, nothing else seems to work, and the OCD is treatment-resistant. So first off, brain surgery. Now, when people think of brain surgery or psychosurgery, it's called specifically for mental health, they might think of lobotomies and that classic uh, mental institution idea of taking a part of someone's brain out and then leaving them as kind of a shell of themselves. That's not exactly done anymore. 
mainly because it caused more problems within itself. Brain surgery now is done a little bit more precise and with less damage to the other surrounding tissue and less side effects. So there's two brain surgeries I'm going to talk about when dealing specifically with OCD. Both of these involve drilling a hole in the skull and then using a heated probe to burn an area within the brain. And what that does is it creates a lesion that can block, in some cases, the signals going to the different part of the brain, which is what, when it's done, is believed to stop the OCD symptoms. With both of these, generally around 50 to 60% of the people that didn't respond to therapy responded well to getting surgery. The first is anterior cingulotomy, and that affects the anterior cingulate cortex, which I talked before in the first and second episode, and that's just an area of the brain that has significant cognitive processes and deal with emotion. Another procedure that's done is an anterior capsulotomy, and that's done on the anterior limb of the internal capsule, and that's, as you would expect, uh, in the more interior part of the brain. And that's an area that carries information to different parts of the brain so that it connects fibers to the er other areas, which transfers information. Like with any surgery, there can be complications because you're opening up the body. You might let things in, even though, of course, we try not to. But things can get in, cause an infection. Along with this, you're going into the brain. And while we've done a lot of research we know a lot about the brain and how it works. We don't know it fully. So we're going in there and cutting it up and we can cause problems that are unintended. Uh, paralysis can happen. Cognitive issues later on can happen. And those are just things that you have to know before going into the surgery. Another treatment that involves damaging the brain in a way is called gamma knife treatment. While you are damaging the brain in a sense, this is non-invasive, so you don't have to open the brain or do anything. This is more specifically called a gamma ventral capsulotomy. So it's targeting that anterior capsule, but the bottom part of it. And what happens is a person wears a helmet of sorts that then sends in radioactive cobalt that produces gamma rays to a very specific location within the brain. And that energy level is high enough that it destroys part of the brain and creates a lesion. And that lesion then can block the brain from sending certain signals that might cause uh, obsessive thoughts. This procedure is seen as a little bit better than brain surgery itself because it's easier to target that specific area and not destroy a lot of the surrounding brain tissue or destroy any of it at all. And this also has about a 60% positive response rate. Because this procedure is dealing with radiation, some of the side effects are like you would get from chemotherapy. So hair loss from the affected area where the, the rays went in, uh, dizziness, nausea. With both of these treatment options, it's not exactly an overnight fix where one thing, you're having obsessions, and the next thing you know, you're all good. Because the lesions are what's important and are what really does the job of 
blocking the thoughts, it takes some time for those lesions to develop and it can take some months to really feel the full effects of the treatment. Along with this, both of these options are fairly expensive. Now I'm going to talk about non-destructive procedures. And the first that I talk about, while it is invasive, it's not necessarily destructive. So this first one is deep brain stimulation. This has been used since the mid-1980s to treat symptoms of movement disorders such as Parkinson's disease, where you deal with tremors. Like I said, deep brain stimulation is invasive because you have to have surgery done to get it done. The way it works is that electrodes are placed into a target area of the brain, specifically the ventral capsule ventral striatum, which is an area that deals with decision-making and reward-related behavior. Then those electrodes are connected by wires that go along the neck to pulse generators that are under the skin along the collarbone or just below it. So it's kind of like a pacemaker except it's in the brain. And a doctor uses a handheld wand and a little computer and they control the pulse generator and send signals to that area of the brain to stimulate it. It's not exactly known why deep brain stimulation or DBS works, but it seems that it calms that circuitry that connects to the brain's behavioral centers and decision-making and it allows for conscious decision-making to take place again instead of the person being stuck feeling like they don't have control. A study that was done on DBS for OCD found that 61.5% of the 26 patients that it was done on responded positively to DBS. That number of 26 patients though is so low because this is very much considered an experimental procedure, along with the fact that the number of people with severe OCD is a fairly low number. Now, despite being non-destructive, there is a little bit of a possibility when the electrode is placed in for there to be an issue, but a study found that but a study that was doing research on the deep brain stimulation for OCD found that sometimes this micro lesion can actually help a little bit. But within that, even though you're putting the electrodes in the brain, it can be reversible and it can be taken out. The risks of DBS can be that there can be an infection uh, when the surgery is done or the device can kind of erode through the skin uh, additionally, when the stimulation is stopped, the patient can relapse or even come back and have things worse off, especially with their mood and depression. And this is a bit of an issue because so far as research can tell, DBS has to be continued indefinitely for the beneficial effects to be felt. Another stimulation treatment that is non-invasive is transcranial magnetic stimulation. And the way that this works is that a patient has electromagnetic pulses sent through specific areas in their brain. And when they reach that area of the brain, they force neurons to fire off, which then affects that brain network. And the stimulation is very specific to each patient because before the procedure is done, they get a scan that shows which area of the brain has the most action going on. Three different areas that are targeted are 
the dorsolateral prefrontal cortex, which controls uh, cognitive skills. But this area is usually used more for treating depression. However, it can still help with OCD. It's just not been tested enough. Another area is the orbital frontal cortex. And this has usually been identified as a primary region that's affected by OCD. Along with that, there is the pre-supplementary motor area, which has shown the best outcomes for people with OCD when it's been targeted. And this is about the middle area of the brain. This is a non-invasive technique. Uh, it's painless, but it does require daily sessions for a few weeks. But then after that, the sessions can decrease. The best thing about this is that there's no significant side effects that are reported when it's done correctly, unlike a lot of the other procedures. However, it has been tested a little less. It's still in its infancy, but it's kind of hoped to be a new, really good treatment for OCD. Now, the last treatment option that I want to talk about is probably one that people think a lot when they think of intense treatments for any mental disorder, and that's electroconvulsive therapy, or as people sometimes know it, though it's not called it anymore, electroshock therapy. Now, this treatment in recent years has shown to be very effective in treating major depressive disorder. It hasn't been researched as much for OCD, but there has been some studies done that show it can help, especially when there is a comorbidity with depression, which is often the case. The way electroconvulsive therapy or ECT is done is that electrodes are placed on either side of a person's head and there's an electrical current that's sent that induces a seizure. And the idea is that that seizure rewires the brain and can help deal with whatever process is going on wrong within the brain. ECT isn't really used very much anymore and a lot of that is because of the negative stigma that surrounds it. And this can be traced to when it was starting to being used in the 40s. And during that time, treatment for mental health was very much not how it is today. The people that, people that had mental disorders were seen as more of problems in society and they weren't treated humanely exactly. But ECT was seen as kind of the, that way to fix people. But it would be done without any sort of anesthetic or muscle relaxant. So the person was basically just thrashing on the table, trying to be held down. And it was very much a traumatic event. However, nowadays it's done voluntarily, which is very important. And anesthetic is given to help the person not feel the effects when it happens. However, with the increased positive results that are being shown from TMS, ECT is kind of being more phased out because TMS is, is less painful. The person can go back to the regular activities, whereas with uh, ECT, they were kind of out for the day. There's the possibility of memory loss and other side effects. But other ways, I hope I have increased your knowledge in a subject you wouldn't have otherwise thought about. Well, that's all the treatments I've got to talk about. Hopefully, I've piqued your interest a little bit in different mental health treatment options, um, OCD treatment options. Maybe these are things you might seek out for yourself or a family member or a friend. So in that case, I'm glad I could help. Now, a little bit about the coming episodes. 
I've kind of gone over the basics covering what OCD is, what causes it, and treatment options. So going forward, I'm going to be talking about more in-depth topics and ideas behind OCD, uh, theories, things like that. So next episode, I'm going to be talking about religious devotion and OCD and where it kind of crosses the line. Because one category under obsessions is religious thoughts and worrying about their afterlife and what's going to happen to them and worrying about making God unhappy. And sometimes with religious devoutness, some people might see it as excessive. So it's where that line is drawn between what is just devote versus becoming an obsession. So I hope you'll check out that episode. Go ahead, check on Twitter for the studies from this episode. Hit me up on any social media. Ask me questions, what you think about this episode. I hope you're all doing well. Thank you for listening to this episode and thank you for sliding into my DX.